Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes of our favorite video games. My name's Connor. And I'd like to introduce you to a bonus episode. Today, we'll be picking up where we left off previously in our discussion with special guest, The Motherlode. Previously on that episode, we had been discussing the sort of the unified timeline between the classic Doom games and the contemporary entries into the series, including Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal. We were piecing together the history and lore that connected the original Doom Marine from way back in the 90s to the Doom Slayer we all know and love today. We also started to get into some of the other connections to previous id software franchises such as Wolfenstein and Commander Keen. So without further ado, here is that discussion. Thanks for listening. Before we go any any further, this is a good point to tie in. Uh, there's a recent film. Like, we've all seen the, the Doom movie with The Rock, and if you haven't, I highly recommend you do, do it. It's yes. garbage in the best way. <laughs> <laughs> but then they recently came out with this, uh, This, it's hard to even call it a movie because it's dog shit, but it's uh, <laughs> Doom Annihilation. I've heard and of it, yeah. I've seen it, and I will say, I think Civi tried to do a video on it, maybe, I, I haven't seen it public yet, but hopefully that comes out. Civi11 on YouTube, great reviewer. Love that channel. All things He's in. awesome, yeah. And Doom Annihilation seems to very loosely tell the story of Doom Guy's unit um, who were called in to, you know, deal with the issue on Phobos in Doom 1. And while it's it's a garbage movie, really, truly awful film, with the crappiest, like, 2006-era sci-fi CGI oh known to man, that, that is a, actually a pretty fun story. The story of the film stands. Like, I, I do appreciate that, and I think it's good for anyone who's really, if you're really interested in the lore to explore that film and try to like, you know, make your own idea of how that ties in. That's, that's actually a really good point because yeah, another thing I remember from the original doom games manual, uh, you are, you know, when it's explaining who you are, like you are a Marine on Phobos and you hear through the radio, your squad mates are inside the facility of the Phobos teleportation network or whatever. And you hear them like getting torn to pieces and killed. And you're the last one. So that's really cool. It's like you can sort of see that play out on the big screen with terrible special effects. But still, (laughs) it's pretty neat. Well, if you actually pay attention to the film, there's some really interesting parts where there's a doctor on the ship who's dead. Dr. Blaskovitz. Correct me if I'm wrong. uh, It may have been Sergeant. There's a dead guy on the ship. Forget what I said earlier. There's a dead guy on the ship. They pick up his ID card. Something Blaskovitz. Is that related? I don't know, but a nice little Easter egg. There's also someone named Carmack on the ship uh-huh. who's found dead. And I, I do appreciate this is something that's been true all the way through the Doom franchise from, you know, seeing Commander Keen's dead bodies laying around. That's became a huge meme in the modding scene, too. This is something that you really see a lot in the, the Doom community. I, I can't express that enough. The community is the basis for the story. Right. And you see that repeated over and over and over again. So... While 
I, I can't iterate enough that this is a really shitty film, <laughs> but it is a it, it is a fan service, and I think that people could if you like bad movies, if you like you know if you like Chud or you know any of the crazy crappy sci-fi movies of olden times, then you'll probably enjoy it or at least find something useful in it for your understanding of the Doom lore. Remember the names Blaskovich and uh, Commander Keen. We'll get into them in a second, uh, but. Really quick, Bruce, um, as one of the uh, newer initiates to the Doom world, uh, do you have any questions or lingering thoughts now that we've sort of broken down the history for you? Is any, are you overwhelmed? Does it make sense now? <laughs> what do you think? This is the best part of the show. <laughs> so, so um, like I said, I tried to do my own research, but at least when, my, when I was first going through... Uh, 2016 doom uh and then of course i really love doom eternal and a lot of the interactions that i saw with uh the slayer and regular people and i saw this kind of peace about him so like i i wanted to know like i know he's got a lot of pent-up issues but it looks like there's some been like is is he benevolent in any way? Um, is he like going like it, it seems that he's got his own life in, in the Doom Fortress? But like I don't know, it, it just kind of feels like he does. He feel the sadness of the loss of life on Earth, or is he just so filled with rage that he does not feel that? Has that ever been like? I think that that question. ties into what we were talking about earlier with Doom 2, uh, specifically, yeah. you know, his re- revisiting of his home, his own neighborhood, the downtown level, which is infamously uh, shit. And, and his, if you actually play Brutal Doom, which was uh, Sergeant Mark IV's uh, basically remake of Doom 2 specifically, you you get to explore that a little bit more uh, in detail. And it's, it's really fun, I, I think from your perspective of like, does doom guy harken back to some human element of himself? Connor brought this up uh, a lot where it's like, is this guy, is he suffering from like some crazy PTSD? I think that's pretty obvious given the scene that we got in doom eternal where he's like repeating, like just disgusting phrases and like seems basically insane. And then is, you know, then kind of reborn. But from that perspective, I think that yes, we we get to see a lot more of that. I have my own issues with Doom Eternal's portrayal of it, but whatever. He does seriously have a connection, from what we can tell, to his old life on Earth and or to humanity, because humanity's largely been wiped out by the demons at this point, and he's one of the few surviving members that are like kind of holding this this coalition of, uh, if you want to tie it into like Star Wars, like you know, there's the rebels who are trying to keep their uh form of government their their way of life alive right against the invasion of hell benevolence is such an interesting thing to think about in relation to uh doom guy because it's like what he does is not very friendly especially if you're a demon he's not friendly at all but there is some sort of weird uh benevolence about his goals it seems like because like we discussed in our previous episode his goal was to save earth at any at any cost literally any cost, even if that meant kind of dooming Erdak. And there's these connections that he holds on to from his old life. You know, we, we see like these artifacts in the Fortress of Doom where he, you know, keeps records and photographs and albums and 
you know, he does seem to have some appreciation for where he's been, but he's he's been through so much that it's kind of like his, his life is so different now that he has such different priorities that it's hard for a human being like you or I to really relate to him or see what's going on in his head. There was one thing I did want to bring up earlier. When we see in, hell, in 20, Doom 2016 that the sort of history of hell includes all these boogeyman stories about the Slayer, it makes me think of like exactly how long was he in hell between Doom 64 and the 2016 reboot? And does time even apply? I can tie this in a little bit more as we go on, but I think that Doom Guy is not just one person. I think I think that he's been re, like a reincarnated sort of uh, entity, if mm. that makes sense, over time. So we see we see windows into the Doom Guy, right? Like the guy that we've been following throughout the story. But it it appears, as you said, that this spans multiple universes and multiple time periods. So each timeline or each time universe could have its own Doom Guy. Well, I th- we tie that in with the the Night Sentinel idea. Like, are they other Doom guys, or or, or what? Is this a, a group of people throughout time who have kind of inherited the same responsibility? And id Software does a great job of, you know, maybe not intentionally, but recreating the same archetype over and over yeah, again. That's that's true. We we do see that kind of repeat itself in other properties. That's you know, what, the last thing I wanted to get into here briefly is just this idea that. You know, there has always been a Doom guy and there always will be a Doom guy in one form or another. It's kind of like maybe maybe doesn't always wear the same face or go by the same name, but there's always someone like him in every universe. Because we, uh, you know, we see clues. You know, you mentioned in uh, uh, Doom Annihilation, the dog shit movie you talked about earlier, uh, (laughs) there's references to people named Blazkowicz. And, you know, in uh, 2016 and Eternal, you can find the remains of Commander Keen. Now, those are obviously characters from the Wolfenstein games, which were all, which are also are those both also id software games? I think so, right? Yeah, so Wolfenstein was essentially the first real first-person shooter and right. that you inhabit a person and th- that was id software. As was before that, Commander Keen was a, a, a platformer, a 2D platformer in the vein of, you know, uh, Jazz Jackrabbit and things like that. Uh, published I believe by Apogee, if I'm not totally wrong here, but the, it the same team, you know, Car- Carmack and uh, Romero were working on that. And to get even weirder on you, like that was originally their attempt to create Mario. Oh wow! Like huh. yeah, and then it became Dangerous Dave's uh, Adventures in Copyright Infringement or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> which became oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and then this became Commander Keen, who's like an eight year old super genius boy who you know gets sent you know picked up and gone to another universe to fight aliens uh, and all this kind of thing. And does, does that really tie into the story? I think there's a lot to that. Yeah, it's definitely possible. There's, there's even, you know, coming back to this whole thing about this story and this lore being built by the fans, there is this fan theory that the Slayer that we play as in 16 and Eternal is actually a descendant of uh, BJ Blazkowicz, who was the hero of Castle Wolfenstein, and Commander Keen, who was, I think, behind the scenes, known as William J. Blaskovich II. So it's like there's this family, you know, this Blaskovich family lineage of being a uh, you know super you know, superpowered uber soldier, basically. Yeah. So it was a, a few years ago, I want to say like 2018 or whatever. But there's this always been this question of Commander Keen's, uh, you know, his place in the story, and. 
John Romero made a tweet basically revealing that, yeah, we intended Billy Blaze, Billy, uh, short for William, to be William J. Blaskovitz II. That's cool. So yeah. many little no, uh, Easter eggs there. I actually doubt. The, I actually doubt they intended that. I, <laughs> they, they, they say like, they I, intended. What a, what a fun little thing we could throw in there to like mess these so these, these jokers that are going to do podcasts about <laughs> lore and all that. We'll fuck with them and Those, make them go on a thirty minute tangent. But yeah. the looks on their faces. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah, just we're gonna get inside those those nerds' heads. God, get a life. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> well, that about wraps it up. I want to thank the motherload of the In the Keep podcast for taking the time to join us here on Lore Party, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. And be sure to connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at lore underscore party. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.